This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, you already know the drill. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper. And, of course, you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And, of course, follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. So, tonight, what a special episode we have in store. Very late-night episode. Appreciate everybody that's listening in the morning, which will be the majority, and the people that are actually in the live tonight. But, wow, what an experience, first off. And before I actually get into it, I want to say the last time I did a live and did an episode on this channel, I actually don't think I posted the 18-minute rage fest that I had when we signed hard in the night of. And, like, I have to admit to you guys, when I make those videos, like, the emotions are really, really high. So, like, it's not... Like, I wouldn't do that professionally. But I have the ability here in this platform that you guys have kind of shown me that you you like when I just let it out. And it's great just, to, and you know, at the end of the day, I'm keeping receipts on myself, like how my opinions evolve. And this is what I really want to address before I actually get into this game. I'm not like a guy that's mad about being wrong when it comes to predictions. Like, I don't think guys making predictions, I know you can make a lot of money doing that. But I don't think that fully shows how much you know about basketball. I respect somebody who can tell me and address what went well and what didn't go well in a game than somebody guessing. Like, I'll give an example. Like, I know some people don't think Charles Barkley is that smart, but he actually does know a lot about basketball. He may not be as savvy with the modern game as some analysts that have recently played, that played in more of the schemes you see today. But he still knows ball. He sucks at predictions, though. Like, let me just say this, man. You might think that I'm more in tune, I'm better to listen to than anybody on TNT, right? But I don't know anything like I, about basketball compared to those guys. Like, they played professionally. It's a different, it's a lot of talking about the modern game is just like watching games, like straight up. Like, you can just tell Shaq in the regular season does not watch games, but like, do I know more about X's and O's and like schemes and what it takes to be a great basketball player and a great team than, than Shaquille O'Neal? Like, who, who are we kidding here? But anyway, yeah, Kyle, sorry. I'm only going to talk to Clippers today because I haven't really watched any other games. I watched Warriors and Pelicans, but we're a little far removed from that. I watched Milwaukee and Miami, a little far removed from that. So this episode is not going to be that long. I didn't even get to watch the Lakers Magic and Lakers or uh, Miami. So I'm just going to be wa- talking about the Clippers tonight. And it's really, this video should be only about this. I mean, this is a big deal. So before I get into it, I wanted to say, there's been this narrative that has been pushed by people on social media based on some of the comments I've made and the emotions in my tweets. I think you need to understand I troll a lot on Twitter. Like, this is where I really give my thoughts, especially Locked On Clippers is where I really give my calculated thoughts. But you got to subscribe to, by the way. People have come up with this narrative that I am, like, rooting for the Clippers to lose badly. Like, I want to... <laughs> I want to make I want to make it very clear. Like, this is what my week looks like, right? I have my day job. I'm not going to say what that is, but I have a day job, right? Like everybody else. 
I do Locked On Clippers five days a week. In addition to my platform that I try to go live for every Laker Clipper game as much as I can, I have season tickets. Now I've invested my money into this team. I have, I've, I've invested money into them for 19 years and my family has done the same. But I invest money into this team, money at the parking, money at the arena for, for food and beer. And I stand, I sit in a section that stands up every single game. The whole game. Like making noise the whole time. And then I come back home at like 11, 30, 12 o'clock and still do the episode, try to get out in the morning. Sometimes I'm up editing to like 3 or 4 in the morning. And you really think I would root for the Clippers to lose because of my distaste for one player? Like, have you, have you guys not learned anything about me the last three years? Like, do you know how much I care about this team? Like, I care about this team too much. Like, I need to stop caring so much. That's the reality of it. Rooting for their downfall. Shame on you, man. Like, really shame on you. I would be spamming, but I'm just, like, so tired. I just got off a plane. I'm so tired. But let's get right into it, man. Just fuck you guys. Like, let's be real. Anyone say saying that, for real, fuck you. Like, if you want to if you, if you wanna say I don't know ball because I don't like Harden, look. When the Intuit Dome courts, I challenge anybody to play me one-on-one -on -one outside, record it for everybody to see. If, if, especially those people that don't show their face on Twitter. Play me one-on-one. -on -one. If you beat me, I respect you. Shake your hand like a man. But beat me. Show your face first. Let's see, let's see what kind of balls you really got. Because that's the thing. Everybody I actually meet in real life, all my Clipper fans, everybody, you guys are – I love making relationships with people. Like that, That's what this is all about to me. Talking ball, learning about ball, making relationships with people. And so I appreciate everybody. Let's get into it. James Harden. Wow, 31 people at 1 a.m. If you're joining from around the world, shout out to you as well. James Harden on the Clippers. Let me just say <laughs> – watching the starting lineup walk out together was so surreal. Like, I've had this moment with Kawhi's first game. I had the moment with Paul George played his first game at New Orleans when they both played their first game together against the Boston Celtics. And then Russell Westbrook's first game against Sacramento last year. Amazing vlog, by the way, on this channel. This is crazy, too. Like, no matter what, I, okay, so what? I don't like Harden, uh, the way he plays basketball. But... This guy, this is James Harden. Like, this man used to rip us apart in games. This guy is one of the best players of his era. One of the best top 75 to do it. And I have no problem with his induction to the top 75. Like, emotions were removed. I, I have no problem. He should be top 75 of what he's accomplished. Bro could have won MVP like four times. So, to just have all these guys on the Clippers is insane. Like, this really feels like a super team. My, my cousin's really saying, I'll meet you at the Intuit Court. Come on, buddy. We... That's family right there. Anyway, doesn't apply. James Harden started out this game, and he was he was buying in. He, he in the first possession, I saw him getting into his defender. I mean, getting into so starting the game, it was James Harden guarding Quinton Grimes, Zoo obviously on Mitchell Robinson, Kawhi guarding Randu, as my boy All Ball would say, and then PG was guarding RJ Barrett. And then Russ guarding Brunson, and we're switching one through four. James was doing decent defensively. I think we were swarming pretty well in the first quarter. But offensively, it was exactly what I said it was going to be. And it's going to take time. But when I said the chemistry would be a little weird, I didn't mean that the players are going to dislike each other. I think people understand. Like People think that I, I'm one of the people that says Harden doesn't get along with anyone. Like, no, that's not really that true. Chris Paul and Dwight Howard, I know, don't mess with him like that, but there's people that don't mess with Chris Paul and Dwight Howard. Trust me, I've heard a lot of things about Chris Paul. 
But anyway, so what I meant by the chemistry thing is when you don't have a seamless fit, and what I said was the, was the part that wasn't seamless was James Harden and Westbrook together with two better players that need shots and touches. When you don't have a seamless fit and everyone's trying to buy in like this, it's more so guys are not trying to step on each other's toes and it's hard to find that blend between staying aggressive and trying to make everybody feel good. And I think that's what you're seeing. And it's just, it's just, it looks funky, man. It's of course it's the first game. Like the overreactions were going nuts on Twitter. And I was just sitting there eating my popcorn, laughing the whole time. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> one thing I learned last season is, man, I cannot be tripping so much on these wins or losses about the Clippers anymore. I just got to make content and talk, call it how I see it. So especially after this Harden stuff, like I was praying that we didn't get him. And here we are. Here we are. So like I got to just call it how I see it. And I thought that offensively it was just interesting because Harden was playing off the ball a good amount with Russ in the game. A lot of sitting in the corner. A lot of he set a couple of screens off the ball, sitting on the wing, of course, a lot. He set a couple of screens on the off the ball. Some he didn't make contact though. I'm like, dude, come on, make some real contact. But I don't expect anything less. Anyway, I still like that he's trying a little bit. One time he even dove for an offensive rebound, like early in the game. I was like, okay, okay, plumber Jim. <laughs> this is gonna be such an insane experience, but I'm just glad you're here for the ride. Anyway. But then you see what he does on the ball, and everybody knows what James Harden in the pick and roll can do. When I saw that first pocket pass to Zoo, first of all, Brian Seaman and Mike Fratello love him to death. They didn't even mention anything about the fact that James Harden threw a nutmeg pass as his first pass as a clipper, if I'm not mistaken. I, I didn't see a replay. I don't know if it went around Mitchell Robinson's leg, but it looked like it went through his legs right to Zoo, and this man Zoo. Oh, I'm going to get into him. He has not, has not been even as good as, nowhere near as good as the beginning of last season, actually. He takes so long to go up. He is, it's, it's all confidence. He has lost his confidence. James, he megged him on the pass. His first pass as a clipper. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I saw that, because I saw when James got the ball behind the three-point line, and he just like held the ball. And he stared at Zoo, and he made those eyes. The, the, the James Harden come set me a screen eyes. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I've watched this for so many years, and this is what we have now. But James, if we're being real, he's one of the best pocket passers I've ever seen. Up there with Stockton, Chris Paul, LeBron. As those off the top of my head, the ones that I think are incredible at just the pocket pass and that pick and roll. And... Zoo has to go up strong. He has to shoot that one-handed push shot with confidence. He has to dunk the fucking ball. When Zubats is aggressive, he dunks that shit. It looks like he's almost losing a burst at 26, 27 years old. I don't even know what to say about it. But the point I'm trying to make is the fit when it's not seamless like that, and it's obviously not going to be seamless in game one, but like, for example, the Celtics with Drew Holiday and Chris Stapps Porzingis, they have like a big four of their own. Pretty seamless. <laughs> Pretty seamless. And I said it was going to be good. So it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. I think the problem is defensively, you're asking a lot now of four guys who are like star players. And like, yeah, they want, in Paul George and Kawhi's case, they want to defend and they'd like to take on those assignments. But like everybody knows that we want Kawhi and Paul George shooting the ball the most and get, getting the ball towards the end of the game. And maybe needing to guard those elite players at the end of the game when it's go time. 
but we can't have them doing it the whole game. And with the one through switching one through four in the starting lineup with four star players, basically, the other team can really choose who they put in the pick and roll. And then you put him in the pick and roll with Zoo, and let's be real, like Harden, he was trying on defense. He was jogging back defensively, not walking back. I love that. And he was deferring majorly, especially when the Stars were in the game. Honestly, too much, but we'll talk more about that in a sec. But the thing with his defense is he's still not a good defender. He's still not good at staying in front of guys. Like, he was getting blown by easily at times. There was like one or two possessions where he stood his ground but when they, someone tried to go at him. But on pick, in the point of attack, he's terrible. Like, <laughs> he's an amazing player. Don't get me wrong. I'm just calling it how I see it. He's not good defensively like that. He's he's not as bad as people think he is, like the memes used to show. But he's he's a good in, defender in the post, and he has good hands. But other than that, nah. But I do like that he was trying to be in tune with the scheme, at least in the first half. Defensively, we were pretty good in the first half. We only allowed 42 points. The score was 46-42 at halftime. And... Kawhi Leonard's first couple of shots, he just came out shooting the first couple threes that he saw. And I don't mind that with the way he shot threes this year, but bricked. And then Paul George was just flinging up shots, the first shot he got. And then Russ was trying to be aggressive. It was almost like Ty Lue told everybody, hey, guys, don't let the fact that you guys are all together stop you from being aggressive. And then, like, everyone was being aggressive except for James Harden, who didn't take a shot in the first quarter. But James Harden was, like, not even the table-setting guy all the time. I thought it was... It's, it, there's so many options that Tyloo can run, but it's almost like there's too many options. Like, that's my thing, and it's not... You want... What I've seen from people that are talking tonight and they're right about it, there's a pecking order here. Shot distribution-wise, right? But then there's a tough part about this because you tell... On one hand, you say, just go out and hoop freely. Just let the talent take over. And then you say there's got to be a pecking order shot distribution-wise, Right? It's a tough balance. You want to play a calculated game, a free game. The point is there's – Harden or Russ, to me, just doesn't need to be on this team. That, that's my honest, God's honest truth. We have to find a way to make it work otherwise. My dream scenario, I love the way Russ looks with the starters, honestly, and put Terrence Mann in there. But James Harden, he is really good in the pick and roll. He's, I don't know if he's going to shoot like he did tonight in every single game. Obviously, he shot six for nine and two for four from three and three for three from the line. The, the free throws were him getting fouled on a three. We only had one uh, flail moment. One, I don't remember a second one, but I, we had one flail moment in the first half. So not too much foul baiting. And one thing I'll give, James Harden hit a couple of mid-ranges in this game. And he's been doing that post-Dantoni, which I like. which I, Especially I saw in Philly last year. If James Harden's shooting mid-ranges and not doing all the foul baiting... He's actually, like, I don't dislike watching him that much. He's actually a dime dropper. Like, he's pretty good. He's good. He's a great player. I don't mind it. I don't love him, but he's pretty, he's good. He's got a handle, great passer. So, I think he can, my issue wasn't Harden buying in. It's just, I don't, this is, my issue was this, what you're, you're going to see. It's going to take time. I think it's going to be good in the end. Don't get me wrong. But there's a couple things that need to be addressed. So, defensively, we have our issues, right? Julius Randle, I thought was fantastic on the Knicks side of things. Very aggressive in transition and going to the basket really strong. Finishing strong. I don't think he had much resistance, though. I mean, the biggest guys out there were Kawhi and Paul George. You go to our bench, and this is a really big issue. I was so surprised at the way Ty Lue did his rotations tonight. And now we're back to tinkering Ty. And that is another reason I did not want to make a change because I felt as though the continuity... Oh, my goodness. Hold on one second. 
golden night, my friend. We're a week away from dying, rocking a Harden jersey. Now this is where I have to say, I got to get a soundboard. Settle down, settle down, Mike Smith. No chance, bro. No chance. I don't know if that it would, he'd have to win a chip for me to go that far. But the point is, look, with or without Harden, I think we could be as good as the Lakers and the Suns and any other Western Conference team you put us in there with. But the team that we don't get better than is the Denver Nuggets, who are just a juggernaut right now, a perfect blend of talent that has developed together for years with the best player in the league and an incredibly clutch complimentary second player with fantastic defensive guys around them in the starting lineup. It's really hard to beat that. The reason why I thought that the old Clippers could beat them even with less talent on on the team per se is because I felt as though the blend would have been so solid that had we stayed healthy, taken advantage of the easy schedule and hit a winning mentality and feeling throughout the team and maximizing everyone from the Bones Highlands to the Westbrooks to the Plumleys, I think we could have had a chance to win 54, 55 games if we had had Kawhi and Paul for 60-plus. with the, the way the team has been playing effort-wise before tonight's second half was pretty good. It's kind of gone down the last two games, and it's not just better competition. We've been having first game against the Lakers. We did not have a lot of guys. Granted, they didn't either, but I'm not trying to make this about Lakers-Clippers. I'm just saying as, from a Clipper fan's perspective, we didn't have a lot of guys against the Lakers. Bones Highland starting, that's just not ideal. And then this game, adjusting to a a totally new situation and this was as much a we've never played together before like five guys just got out together at the park and started playing um situation i mean it was as bad maybe even worse than the first game that kd played with the warriors where the spurs just absolutely destroyed them this felt not like that because it was just the one second half where the knicks completely took over but i mean we were so discombobulated, man. It felt like nobody knew what they were doing out there. The starters, it was the deferring thing. And then randomly Kawhi and Paul started just being really aggressive and just pressing to me because they, they know their touches are going down. And then let's talk about the rotations, right? I want to get into the sub substitution patterns. So James Harden was like set to be on minutes restriction. He came out at 517 for with Zoo for Bones and Plumley. And my initial thought process there was oh, maybe we're matching up Harden and Zoo so we can get Zoo and Harden running a lot of pick and rolls to get Zoo some easy buckets and boost his confidence. That was just my first thought. Mason Plumley, who unfortunately, I'm going to talk about it more, went down in this game, and the game really turned when he went down. Because as, as bad as the Clippers were, the Knicks' offense is so mid, and they were keeping us in the game. But when Plumley went out, they completely destroyed us down low. Um, Mason, I thought, was better than Zoo in this game. In his first half stand, he was pretty active on the glass. Decent moments contesting, actually, which is pretty rare for him. And he had a really nice read uh, on, the, on a short roll where he looked on the wing and then fed it down low to, I forget who it was, on a dime. I think it may have been Kawhi. So I actually thought he was playing pretty well. But, okay, Bones Highland and Mason Plumley come in. I got no problem with that. And then... You get James Harden after three minutes coming right back into the game, this time for Westbrook, and then Norm in for Kawhi. So now you had Harden, Norm, and Bones in there with Mason. 
Paul George really being your only good defender. And it's just, this is what we lost with Rocco and Nico. We don't have size in the front court. We have a bunch of guards that can't guard, and Ty Lue has a small ball fetish. Like, now we are really putting Ty in that tough position to make him look bad like last year. Whereas before, there was really not as many options and not as many things he could do. I think it was easier to maximize a guy like Bones Highland, who I didn't like the the way it looked tonight for him. It just felt he was out of rhythm. Like, he's out of... He's off the ball all the time. He gets one or two pick-and-roll reps and bringing the ball up and doing what he was doing before, it, it feels like. Because you just have better players now. That's just how it is. And I think but Bones Highland running that second unit, he, he, had, he did not have a bad game before uh, the Laker game. Like before the trade, he, or he, after the trade, it was against Orlando. But the first four games, he was not bad in his role. We were starting him against the Lakers. That's not ideal. And then in this game, I just don't – he's a rhythm guy too. Like he needs the ball in his hands. And like granted, he got some chances tonight and made some horrible decisions and jump passes. But it just feels like everybody's pressing. And then you have P.J. Tucker. God love him. Like I don't know if I've shared the story. If you, want, if you guys want me to share the story about why I like P.J. Tucker so much because I had a personal experience with him as a kid, you can comment if you want to hear it. But God, God bless P.J. Tucker. But he's past it, bruh. He can't jump over a binder at this point. Like, he he can't. Not even a phone book, a binder. Paul George gave him a behind-the-back pass in transition, and this dude missed a point-blank layup because bro can't get off the ground. <laughs> and he's not getting any elevation on his corner three ball that he used to. It's just, he's not the same defender, just a complete downgrade from Rocco and Nico. A lot of Clipper fans want Kobe Brown to play. Honestly, I think he'd be a better option than PJ, and then you're developing for the future anyway. But I, we have a, there's a huge problem with, with Ty, and then even Glenn, going back to Glenn Rivers with playing younger players in championship contention. And I think that's a league-wide thing. That's not just the Clippers. But yeah, Paul George definitely did. Pain Detective says PG has worse shot selection in NBA. Too many tough mid-range jumpers. It's not just mid-range jumpers, man. I think it's just all jumpers in general, like threes and mid-range. I think he was very jumper-happy in this game, taking the first shot that he saw because he was trying to stay aggressive. He talked about it on Podcast P. He needs to stay aggressive but also wants to sacrifice. It felt like only if guys were open, they'd make the pass. But besides that, they would try to go. And it's just such a hard balance. Like Russ was getting going in the first quarter. He was awesome. Clippers were up 21-19 to after the first and then uh, then we had the Harden show in the second quarter. He had his best stint. Um, I think it was seven straight points. Really got it going. Hit that step back three. Gave us a 28-26 lead. And he was running that show. And that's what I like. I mean, that's what I know is going to be great is Harden running his own units without Russ on the floor. Uh, he's still going to find guys for great shots. No doubt about it. I just don't like that we have a bunch of Minus more minus defenders. Now we lost our guys in the front court. The rotations and the and the secondary rim protection at the with Nico and Rocco around Kawhi and Paul George, it just makes the floor look smaller. You know what I'm saying? Like for for the other team, they cover more ground. It's just swarming. So it's tough. It's tough. The front office did what they did. Only can try to make it better now. Zubats, let's get into his performance. Zubats' hands are looking like Kwame now. He's not going up strong. We're not throwing him the ball in the post. 
His rim, he has still has some decent moments of rim protection, but he is just he just doesn't. He's playing so soft. It's just all mental with him. He's not getting up off the ground quickly enough when he gets the ball. He's not playing with aggression in the sense that he used, when he's playing aggressive, he dunks the ball. I mean, he's not he's not following through a lot of times when he's shooting his little push shot and his hook, jump hook. It's just, I don't know what's going on with bro, but it's got to change. You know, it's got to change. There's no reason why this move should hurt Zubots. If anybody should be benefited by Harden more, more than anyone, it's Zoo. Because now you have a guy that is really going to be a, a dagger playmaker in pick and roll because the thing with Russ is, I loved our non-pick and roll heavy offense, by the way, feeding out of Kawhi and Paul in the high post, like kind of triangle stuff, then occasional pick and rolls with Paul, uh, with Russ. But then you still had Bones Highland and Norm Powell to use screens a bit. But I liked, I liked it because we're running through our best players in Kawhi and Paul. But James Harden, what I will say is, he garners the respect in the pick and roll that Russ doesn't because teams go under the screen with Russ. Whereas Harden, you fight over the top of the screen and he still has a fantastic floater. No one else on the team has that. Kawhi Leonard only has a floater off two feet. Harden can go off one. And Paul George, I don't remember the last time he took a floater. I don't know if he's ever, he's ever taken a floater in a Clipper jersey. The last time I remember it was that floater he made over uh, Rudy Gobert against Utah back in 2019. And then Westbrook, I don't remember him taking a floater in his entire life. So that's what makes Harden the, the playmaker in the pick and roll that's going to help Zubots. But tonight, it just looked like everybody was all over the place. There was one point where Norman Powell and P.J. Tucker just like ran into each other in the corner and got a turnover. It was such a comedy convention. So many terrible turnovers from everybody. Paul George threw this one like hook pass. Like he legit thought he was like magic. Like um, going back to Paul George, his reason the pick and roll tonight were horrendous. Um, again, there's a balance to be found with Paul. Like it's not like he should never run pick and rolls, but you know someone someone said something interesting to me tonight. Said that PG he shouldn't he and Kawhi shouldn't bring the ball up to initiate the offense. I kind of agree with that. Just save them the work, start them out on the wing or off the ball to begin possessions. Just, just to give Russ and Harden the feel of the ball. Sometimes, more so with Russ. Harden may want to create a little bit more, but just with Russ, just having him feel the ball, bringing it up, that can be enough for guys. I remember when I was when I was a kid, I there were some teams where I just knew I wasn't going to be like a top player on the team and even like top three player, right? So all I wanted to do was at the very least just initiate the offense, just feel like I was being involved. So like bring the ball across half court, make that first pass and just move it, you know, distribute to better scorers than me. And that's one thing you, I love, like the best teacher is playing right at any, in any situation where you're talking about sports, the best teacher is playing. I've been blessed to have played on a lot of different levels and been the worst part on the court. Sometimes sometimes I've been the best part on the court. Sometimes I've been one of the best, you know, just different situations. And that's, that's, that's what's, it's awesome about playing the game. And one thing I love is just bringing the ball up and moving it. And I think sometimes maybe Russ, that'll be a thing for him, is just bringing the ball up and moving it. But even so, when you have Harden on the ball, it's just you want Harden to be more on the ball, right, than, than he was tonight. Because quite frankly, he was good on the ball. He is our best playmaker now, straight up. But he's a better catch-and-shoot three-point shooter than Westbrook. And you want Westbrook to feel engaged. And that's why I thought this move was weird in the first place. So when they're in together, it's just kind of clunky. 
You can draw some interesting plays possession by possession. I still think the Clippers got a lot of good shots, but the 22 turnovers, like, look, let's spit facts here, right? Russ and Zoo together on the court is two guys that are not convincing shooters, not the, the, the shooters that the defense is not going to respect. So bringing in Harden and starting him with Russ, every single possession that James Harden would run a pick and roll, that is a possession, that an added possession that Russ is off the ball compared to before. And that, to me, is a win for the defense. Russ is showing showing that he is a capable screener, roller, off ball. He's been shooting the ball well this season from three. I don't know how long it's going to last. He crashes the offensive glass when people don't guard him. He's really played some of the best off-ball basketball I've seen him play his entire career with the Clippers. But that being said, he's still not this great off-ball player. I like it when Westbrook's the ball in his hands because of the pace he added to our team. Let's spit facts, right? Just like with Chris Paul, Harden slowed our pace down in this game. The Knicks kind of ran us off the floor when they started creating turnovers, especially in the second half. They look more athletic. They look younger because they are. Harden's 34. You know what I'm saying? And I think Harden, again, he's trying, right? There was a couple times he caught the ball in the middle of the floor and he brought it up and made some plays in the fast break. There was one play early in the third quarter where he got an assist to Kawhi, and I thought, honestly, at that point, I thought we were still going to win the game. But continuing on the second quarter rotations, Russell Westbrook came back into the game at the... So this was... this is, Sorry, what this is one thing that was weird to me. Paul George and Kawhi were on the bench together, and then they came in together. I thought we were going to stagger Westbrook and Harden and then Kawhi and Paul, like two with two, preferably PG with Russ and then Kawhi with Harden because PG and Russ have that great chemistry. But that was not the case in this game. In the first half, though, it's it, we did stagger Westbrook and Harden. But I'm trying to see if there was a point where we didn't. The lineup's just a little all over the place, but that's a matter of time, right? Tinkering tie. It's it's going to take time, and that's part of the reason, as I said, I was not a fan of this, is now we're starting over again and having to work things out. And I love that we had that continuity from last year and we're taking the season seriously. I know it was an easy schedule. I, I know. But when I saw it with the words in 2022, and I learned, and I've learned throughout my life watching the game, is it doesn't matter who you beat. If your process is good, Guys are making shots. Guys are playing at their best. Confidence, that winning, it's like a drug, man. It's contagious. You want more, you start working for more. And then things can happen. I've seen it in, not just in basketball, in other sports. You got to take care of business. You know what I'm saying? And I, I felt like we had a chance to do that. But I, I apologize for keep I keep backtracking. You know what I mean? I just feel like on Lockdown Clippers, I'm, I'm going to try to not do that as much. But on my own channel, like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I it's going to take time. But... It's it's tough. Kawhi, and so start the third quarter. Clippers up 46-42. Overall, defensively, pretty solid. Pretty solid in the first half. Guys were high effort for the most part. Even though our personnel wasn't great, guys were high effort. And the Knicks offense is just kind of stinky. Third quarter, the points went up. 34-30, the Knicks won the quarter. So going into the fourth, it was a tie ball game. Tie ball game. First play, by the way, of the third quarter, we had an action that we've run in previous games with Russ 
at the as the trigger man, catching the ball on the elbow. Someone sits a pin down for Kawhi or sits a screen for a curl, and they come off and they hit him. Had that with James Harden. First, he came off the pin down. Now catches the ball 18 feet away. So, yeah, James Harden coming off screens, off the ball. Love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, not that many. I don't want to exaggerate, but Ty Lue, man, he has a way of getting guys to buy in. But, again, is this good for James Harden? Like, he didn't look like he was in his element. You know what I'm saying? I like that he bought in, but he might get frustrated at some point too. Anyway, it's it's going to take time. But Kawhi got a dunk out of that first possession of the quarter. Off the Harden assist, coming off the curl, slammed it down. No communication by the Knicks. But the second half was just a mess. A lot of turnovers, some unforced. Westbrook was reckless and careless with the ball in the second half as well. Paul George had a stinker. Kawhi was starting to get more aggressive in the third quarter, but again, it, it felt like he was pressing, and then Paul George was pressing. And then they all of a sudden stopped getting the ball and stopped shooting. I would love to, I want to see how many shots they took in the second half. But mods, if you if any mods are in this in this live right now, can you please find out how many shots um Paul George and Kawhi Leonard took in the second half, please? But starting I'm going a little slow. I'm just trying to see the substitution patterns. Okay, so at the 527 mark of the third quarter with the Clippers down by one, Mason Plumley and Bones, just like the first half, entered the game for Zoo and, and Harden. So we had Bones, Mason, Russ, P, Kawhi. Again, it's just a lot of Kawhi and Paul George guarding the best players. Granted, the Clippers are missing Terrence Mann, and he is going to be sorely needed. because And also, Norman Powell, he had a couple of threes in the first half, open threes from Harden and one from Kawhi, I believe. And I like that Norm, you know, he, he's actually not going to be that bad to have with these guys offensively because he's very comfortable off the ball, attacking closeouts and shooting open threes. But he even felt, limit, he even felt limited too to me. He, no curls from for Norm going left to right. And then defensively, he's not great. I mean, he's, he's trying this season, but he's still not great. And when he's surrounded by other guys that aren't great defensively and Zoo now has to play more two-on-one, people are like, you know, why isn't Zoo's impact defensively looking the, sa- defensively looking the same? Partially, it's because... He's he's playing like ass and he's meant he's in his own head right now. But part another reason is mainly in this game, for example, second half, guys are getting tired. You got weak defensive personnel out there, a lot of three guard stuff, and he has to overcompensate in the pick and roll. But Clippers were up by four with four twenty to go in the third, and then it really started to turn. James Harden entered the game for Paul George, and then Norm entered the game for Kawhi at the 149 mark, and PJ for Russ. So we took the big, th- the previous big three, Westbrook, Kawhi, and Paul, all out, all out within the last two minutes of the third quarter, and we had Norm, PJ, Bones, Harden, and Zoo. Disaster. I, you just can't be doing that. James Harden had this, the last five points of the third quarter. He was shooting really efficiently. Had a step back three. It's nice to be on the, on the side of the step back three uh, with Harden nowadays. Um, to, to, go into the third, to go into the fourth quarter tied at 76. Whew, sorry. Just thirsty Spotify and Apple Podcast people. Fourth quarter is when it all collapsed, and it started with a really unfortunate injury to Mason Plumley. 
Mason Plumley. Oh man, get well soon, brother. That did not look good. The fact that he had to be carried off the floor was really concerning. I want to see when he got subbed out in the fourth. Oh, it was the third quarter that it happened. Late third quarter. Let's see. God damn. Sorry, Apple Podcasts and Spotify people. I know it's not as unbearable for the YouTube people seeing me do this. I literally just got home from the airport, so I like, haven't looked at any of this. Okay. Ivica Zubac enters the game for Mason Plumley uh, with 4-10 to go in the third quarter. And the Clippers are up by 2, 66-64. And if you look at the plus-minus, I'm sorry, Plumley was actually the only player in the plus in this game for the Clippers besides Kobe Brown and Amir Coffey, who didn't actually play real minutes. So... That tells you something about the way Mason was playing. I think he was just going up quicker when he got the ball and just playing more like the best version of himself than Zoo. But that was a big loss, and I'm really hoping that he's well soon because Musa, as much as I love him, he's still too raw. He's too undersized to play the five right now, and he's not a good enough shooter to play the four because he doesn't even have that good of touch around the basket. I love his activity on the offensive glass and his defense around the rim. Um like in a, as a help side defender, and even one-on-one, he can move his feet really well in the perimeter, but he's not good enough to play minutes on a chip team right now. I'm sorry. Seems like I've heard great things about him as a person, though. But, um, yeah, we might be in trouble in terms of the backup big situation. We cannot play P.J. Tucker at the five. Ty Lue may try that shit. Oh, my God. So look how many holes we have now to me. Like, it's just... I like the balance better than just stacking the talent. That's just my lens, but apparently I don't know ball... I'm a nerd. A nerd. That's so funny. I've never been called that in my life. Um, a geek. A casual. Whatever, bro. You guys can't disagree. It's okay. Anyway, the game collapsed. Everybody got tired. That lineup was ridiculous. Kawhi and Paul George not playing together. And Russ and Harden sitting together. I don't know what was going on. I think what it is is he's they're trying different sample sizes. They're going to use a couple games to do it and then see what the analytics show. That might be what they're doing. But again, we're going to lose some games then. And we might, the point is, I don't think even the best version of a team like this can beat the Nuggets because the defensive personnel is not great. And then offensively, it's not seamless. So it's going to be a tough balance between being aggressive and deferring. And if you have a pecking order, how easy is it to navigate that and still play free-flowing basketball? I don't think that it's necessarily free-flowing. Our pace is not the same with Harden, let's be real. It's not. And our defense got worse. And as great as Harden is on the ball... Uh, give me Nico and Rocco back and Russ being the, the main initiator and running the offense because you you know you're going to get the attempts from Paul and Kawhi at the end of the day. That's what it comes down to with me with, with the balance that we had. We knew we were going to get the attempts from Paul and Kawhi. We were asking them to be great. That's what I love. So in this game, the Clippers absolutely got blown out and I wouldn't be in the fourth quarter. They lost it 35-21 to 21, and Ty Lu waved the white flag with like five minutes to go. I couldn't believe that. It felt like last season again. Disgraceful with four players of that caliber to, to on a not even back-to-back situation. Let's count the minutes tonight. Paul George played 34. Kawhi played 32. Westbrook 31. Harden 31. Damn, really? That surprises me, honestly. Remember, this is the first time I'm looking at the stat sheet. Could Kawhi have played two or three more minutes? Yeah, maybe. This just seems like... 
It's all over the place, man. Terrence, man, we need him back badly. And now Mason out. It just feels like we need another move. Like, that's my thing. We need another move. We're a super team. We still need another move because the talent, it, it just doesn't. This defense and rebounding, that's what wins championships, bro. Like, that's, that's what wins. Asking a lot of Paul George and Kawhi defensively, then it's like, oh, yeah, that's what you they, you they can be better defensively and try harder because you have Harden now to to take the ball out of their hands. Like, is that what people want? Like, Kawhi Leonard shot sixteen times, Paul George eleven, Westbrook thirteen, Harden nine. I like that Kawhi shot the most and he shot fifty percent, eighteen points, five rebounds, three assists. But again, it felt like he was kind of pressing. Two for six from three. Paul George, at least in the first half. Paul George, 2 for 11. He shouldn't be shooting less than Russ. Russ shot efficiently, though. Harden and Russ and Kawhi all shot efficiently. But again, that's my point. Like, it's not, nah. Westbrook, four turnovers. Zubats, five turnovers. It's a, That's inexcusable for your center to be having five turnovers. Are you kidding me? 22 as a team. Dante DiVincenzo, I have to mention him, by the way, was incredible in this game. Quickly added something for the Knicks. Josh Hart was awesome off the bench. Their bench was just much better than us because they can guard. Shout out to former Clipper Isaiah Hartenstein as well, who was better than Zoo. They were all over it. I just think the shot distribution, Harden only shooting nine shots when he was actually our best player on the ball. It was weird. It was weird. It just doesn't feel natural. Paul George with the weight. This was his first bad game of the season. He's been amazing in every game. And if you think that's coincidence, you're fucking delusional. It's not coincidence. He shot too many jumpers, and then he started going to the rim. I liked it, but it's like, it's just every time these guys touch the ball, they feel like, okay, I got to score because how much am I going to really get the ball? I still got to be aggressive. And then you're turning guys into spot-up shooters way more. It's just not it. There was a huge portion of the third quarter where Kawhi was just sitting in the corner. It's like, bro, he's our best player. Just don't like it. And then Paul George just feels like everything's pressed. Bones Highland, everybody. Everybody just... It just feels like they're pressed, but again, it's going to take time. It's going to get better. Do not panic. Do not panic. We're still going to be good. I just don't think we're going to beat Denver. <laughs> and I think our team was better before. Ugh. Don't want to whine too much. 26 fast break points for the Knicks to 6 for the Clippers. So there you go. The rebounding, we just got crushed. No rebounds, no rings. You know how it goes. I live by that. 48-31 to 31 in favor of New York. 18 offensive rebounds to 7. And you know what? In the second half, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. We got outworked second half, straight up. They were all over it. You know why? We got four guys. I mentioned they were trying, you know, Westbrook, Kawhi, and Paul George in these first couple of games. Then we got Harden in there. These are four guys that are 34. Rocco, he was in Batum. They're all, you know what? That wasn't a good point, honestly. They're all old. But the thing is, they just, I don't know, they try harder on defense. <laughs> Russ was gambling a lot tonight. It, wasn't a, it was his worst defensive game to me of the season, Westbrook. I don't think he was that good. He was reaching a lot. Um, I like that he was efficient, but let's see what, he, what was his three-point percentage. One for three. I didn't mind that. Three three-point three attempts is fine. I said that's the max he should take for a game unless he's, like, hot. So I don't mind that. But Harden, two for four from three. I'll take that. P.J. Tucker, 0 for two from three and missed a point-blank layup. How is that possible that he missed two threes and they, the box score says 0 for two and he missed a point-blank layup? So ESPN's fucking up there. Um... Mason Plumlee's stats, by the way, only two points and two rebounds, an assist and a steal on one-for-one one shooting in 11 minutes. But I'm telling you, his impact was pretty good. Bones Highland shot as many times as James Harden. 
Um, and it just felt forced with Bones to me. He had three turnovers himself. Norm had three turnovers himself. Bones had five points, four dimes, two for nine from the field and one for four from three. And then Norm, by the way, Bones Highland, very hesitant to use his left hand going to the basket. Norman Powell, speaking of left hand, no left hand, 14 points on five for seven shooting and four for six from three. So efficient, but again, I just think it takes away from him. It's just weird. Anyway, good kudos to the Knicks. Three and four on the season. They've been struggling. It's not like the Knicks have been playing good ball, so it's not a very good loss. Clippers are 3-0 at home and 0-3 on the road, and our next game is on the road as well. Let's read the lines for the Knicks first. Emmanuel quickly had seven points and five assists off the bench on three for five shooting, one for three from deep, plus 22, which was a team high for the Knicks. Uh, I thought he was really good. Isaiah Hartenstein only played 13 minutes, but was very impactful in those 13 minutes. Had a lob dunk. Uh, six points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals on three for five shooting. Love Isaiah. Wish we could have kept him. We wanted John Wall, though. Dante DiVincenzo. Talk about an impactful 16 minutes. He was all over that second half. 12 points, six rebounds, two of those being offensive rebounds. He was four for six in the field and three for five from deep. DiVincenzo. And then Quinton Grimes. Just three points, one for four from three, and those are all his shots. But defensively, he's pretty good. And then you have R.J. Barrett, who's off to a fantastic start to the season. Knicks fans, if you're watching this, let me know if you think R.J. Barrett has been your best player to start this season. Maybe he's making that leap. 26 points, six boards, four assists, but five turnovers for R.J. The Knicks turned the ball over 19 times. That's part of the reason why the Clippers were in the game for so long. Because as I said, their offense was sloppy. But they still shot 47% from the field and 39% from three and 94% from the line. Let's talk about Mitchell Robinson. Thought he was the best center in this game uh, on the court. 13 points, 15 boards, just like against the Cavs last year in the playoffs. Absolutely all over the offensive glass. Nine rebounds on 6-for-10 shooting in 35 minutes. 13-15, four steals, altering shots, nine offensive rebounds is ridiculous. Good game for Mitchell Robinson. And then you had Brunson, who had a terrible shooting game, 2-for-12. Seven points, three rebounds, six assists, three steals, four turnovers. Not the best game for Brunson at all. Just missed shots. But he'll have a great game next game or something. Randall, his best game of the season. Even though he had six turnovers, I thought he was more in control. Really took advantage of the fact that the Clippers are puny as fuck now. 27 points, 10 rebounds, three assists. I thought Randall was going to be a prompt, one of the few guys that's going to be a problem for us even before we made the trade for Harden, but even more so now. Nine for 21 from the field, three for eight from deep, and when Randall's hitting his three ball, I mean, he's a really good player. And six for six on the foul line. So that, that's the Knicks for you. The Clippers, 49% from the field shooting the ball, so we actually shot better than the Knicks, but we shot 15 less shots. Pace slower. Not getting as many stops, not rebounding, and turning the ball over too much. Those are the answer to that. 34% from three, so we didn't shoot that badly from three. And 87.5% from the line. Harden's going to definitely help our free throw percentage. Let's read the lines for us. Not bothering to read the two donuts from Kobe Brown and Amir Coffee. P.J. Tucker, two points in 11 minutes, 0 for 2 from the field. He's actually was 0 for 3 from the field because he missed two threes and a layup, point blank. He's cooked, man. He's cooked. I love him, but he's cooked. Norman Powell, yeah, I already read his line. 14 points, 5 for 7 from the field, 4 for 6 from 3. That sounds great. Nah, didn't play well to me. 
like he was okay. It's just it just this doesn't make sense right now. Bones forcing the issue, too much off the ball. No no initiating and doing what he was doing best in the preseason, which was playmaking and running a second unit. Mason was dope. Zubats his stats look decent. Eight points, seven rebounds, one steal, and two blocks, and some decent moments in the third quarter of rim protection, early third quarter. But he had five turnovers. Actually, I think it was late third quarter when Mason went out. Five turnovers though for our center is out is just crazy. Three for three from the field, but he was ass. I mean, he was ass to me. Two for four from the foul line. He has started the season shooting the ball poorly from the foul line. Then we have Russ, who had 17, 4, and 4. That's a low number of assists for Russ. No coincidence. Four turnovers as well. That's not a coincidence. Also, four assists. Uh, it's not just no coincidence that it's Harden. It's, he's not taking care of the ball. He shot the ball well, though. 8 for 13. 1 for 3 from deep. No free throw attempts, though. Don't like to see that. Very little downhill Russ. Which, again, has to be expected. I mean, I, think, I don't think he was that great. I'm sorry. Sorry, Russ fans. 31 minutes. By the way, something that's really funny is I have not gotten many Harden stands that's on Twitter since we got him. Maybe like two. I think I have so many of them blocked over the years that like they uh, they don't even find me. But when we got Russ, I gained like 50 new uh, followers. It was insane. Speaking of 13 strippers, James Harden, he was actually, in my opinion, arguably the best player. I actually felt the most secure with the ball in his hands in this game, weirdly. But again, I just don't think he necessarily makes our team that much better um, in the long run. I could be wrong, though, and I want to be, especially if he buys in like that, tries his best. That's all I can ask for. When he shoots mid-ranges, I got no problems with him. Houston, he was just unbearable. I, want, I actually wanted to break the TV. 17 points, three rebounds, six dimes, one steal, two turnovers, on six for nine shooting, two for four from, from three, and three for three from the line. I've said all I need to say. Played well, individually, kind of, but he doesn't guard like that. It's going to be a process, guys, and I'm interested to see it play out and, and, and win, lose, or draw. On this channel, we're still going to have fun. <laughs> oh, man. Laker fans, I will try to watch the – actually, I will watch the Magic and Heat game, and we'll do a – I'll talk about it on basketball and Figueroa and then maybe briefly talk about it on Dime Dropper. No promises on the Dime Dropper one, but I'm definitely going to get into it on the basketball and Figueroa thing. Um, and then the next time I go live, I'll talk about what I'm seeing around the league because I'm just a little behind. And But I'll talk about it a little bit to the live subscribers, which I'm going to right now. Thank you for listening. If you really listen to this on 50 Minutes on the audio version, I really thank you because I know it's a little choppy because I'm reading the comments, trying to balance it out, reading the stats, just got off the plane. But I appreciate you for sticking until the end, and I hope that the commentary wasn't as bad as I felt like it was. You know, So just trying to get better at all, all times. Remember, I'm always down for constructive criticism and feedback. Always trying to get better. Peace out, ladies and gentlemen. I'll see you next time. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super chat to turn on. If you want to drop a dollar or a dime, anything counts. Peace. One also thing I wanted to say is that there's a lot of time left for Harden and Paul. Like, we got we got the trade done early, so we're going to be able to have all season to mess with it. It's not like we're getting it midway through the season or the same way we did with Russ last year. So that's one silver line to look at it. All right, now we're done.